Welcome back to the Innovator Podcast, the female entrepreneur series that dives into the stories of how women founders tackled hardship and difficulties to ultimately find success. My name is Erica Sullivan, and I am the host of the Innovator Podcast, and today I'm welcoming Lynn Power. Lynn is an advertising executive turned entrepreneur. She's the CEO and founder of Masami, a premium clean hair care brand featuring a hydrating Japanese ocean botanical, Mikabu. Lynn has worked with many iconic brands, including Galette Venus Global Marketing Launch, Clinique Global, L'Oreal Natural Match Launch, La Roche Posey, and many more. She's done work in other categories, including American Express, Hershey's, Nestle, and T. Rowe Price. Lynn loves building teams, reinventing cultures, and disruption. Lynn, welcome to the Innovator Podcast. Hi, Lynn. How are you? I am great. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I am super excited to have you on the Innovator Podcast today because you have a lot of very cool experiences. You are an advertising executive turned entrepreneur, and now you are the CEO and founder of a very, very cool premium clean hair care brand. So I am very excited to have the opportunity to chat with you today. Thank you. Well, I'm, I'm really thrilled to chat with you as well. So how I'd love for us to start is I'd like for you to start us at the beginning and talk to us a little bit about what your early life was like and how your story has evolved to get you where you are today. Oh boy. that's a <laughs> You said we only have a half an hour, right? <laughs> All right. I will try to keep it concise. Um, so I, I actually grew up in Chicago in the Midwest in a very... Uh, you know, suburban childhood up first as well to Indiana, which I thought was stretching and going further away, but really <laughs> four hours um, as I grew up in Chicago. And um, from there, um, I went to school actually at a, at a double major of English and criminal justice, and I was going to go into law school, and then I decided it was way too boring. And then I wanted to go into the FBI, but um, they weren't hiring at the time that I graduated. So I ended up in advertising. It was just a total fluke. I just met somebody who recommended I go on an interview and I got a job and I just started doing it and I loved it. I really loved it. So I started as a receptionist, um, which I always advocate, you know, people, especially these days, um, have a thing and my kids are like this, they're teenagers, you know, it's like they don't want to take the low job, but you learn so much when you do. Um, mm -hmm you know, you just absorb everything. And so I actually always tell people, don't be afraid to start there because if you love what you're doing, you'll end up getting promoted and working your way up. So that's pretty much what I did. Um, so what happened was um, I was at a very small agency in Chicago and I went to a bigger agency in Chicago called, um, it was Ogilvy and Mather and there they had, they have offices everywhere, but had an office in Chicago. And I met my, um, then boyfriend, now husband at Ogilvy. And he moved to New York to work on IBM, which was a huge account that Ogilvy just won. And I kind of decided we had just started dating, like, I'm going to go too because New York, like, who doesn't love going to New York, right? And my thought process was kind of like, well, I do work in advertising. I do love it. If I'm going to continue in this industry, there's no better place than New York. Mm -hmm. So we moved to New York. We thought it would just be a couple of years and it's been 26, 27 years, something like that, that we've been here. 
So that was how all that happened. I worked at lots of agencies on lots of different brands, um, which I won't go into all that. But I left the agency world about two years ago to do my own thing because I just got really got really tired of building brands for other people and then seeing all the, you know, the benefits and the rewards that they were getting. And I'm like, wait a minute, I want to do that. So I just decided I'm going to do it for myself. So I actually started a brand consultancy and was working with startups, but then met my partner, James, on Masami. And we just really clicked. We definitely get along like a house on fire in a good way. And we basically decide, decided to launch this this brand together. He'd been working on the formulas for almost 10 years. Wow. So yeah, it for him, this has been like a lifelong passion. He worked at Claire all 20 years and was working, basically spending all of his discretionary income on these formulas by himself, pretty much. He'd hired a chemist, but by himself for like 10 years. Wow. Right? Like, do you know anyone who's done that? Like, I don't. The dedication and passion to me is is remarkable, especially these days when so many people, including myself, have a bit of the ADD, like, I, you know, I need to be juggling things, I need to be moving on to the next thing, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. to with something so long, um, that really, that really stuck with me that, wow, he's that passionate about it. Anyway, and it took that long to make the formulas really good. That was sort of the other side of it is, you know, it wasn't like he he did it that long because he just was dragging his heels. It just it just do clean hair care that's high performing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure. And at the at the same time, you were working at iconic brands like Clinique, L'Oreal, mm-hmm. and more. I mean, your experience wow. is pretty incredible. So I am curious how your experience at these companies led to success with Masami. Yeah, so I found myself over the years kind of gravitating back to working on beauty brands because I've worked in lots and lots of categories, and that's one of the benefits of working in the advertising industry is you get to just work on random things that you would never imagine yourself working on, you know, whether it's, um, I mean, I've worked in virtually every category and some very strange ones. Um, One of my very first jobs was working on Tampax tampons, for Mm -hmm. example, and those were quite interesting focus groups to go to, as you can imagine. But... (laughs) Um, what I would do is I actually worked on Gillette Venus, that launch um, globally, mm-hmm. which was really great. And then I worked on L'Oreal um, and I loved the category, but didn't like the culture of working with L'Oreal. And I think anyone that has worked with them will understand what I mean. But I found myself gravitating back to beauty. And what I like about beauty is, you know, it's this combination of science and efficacy meets hope and inspiration, mm-hmm. you know? It's kind of like both sides of your brain work. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I like that marriage of those things coming together to, to you know, hopefully solve a problem for somebody or make them feel better or, you know, just give them more confidence or, or let them feel like they're taking care of themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And you told me offline before we started recording the meaning of your company name. Can you share that? Yeah. So it is two meanings, really. The first one is it's really named after James's husband, Masa, who is our muse. He's from Japan and he's the person who inspired James to find this ingredient called Mikabu, which is an ocean botanical that grows in in uh, Masa's hometown. And it's just super nutrient dense and they eat it every day and they're super healthy. And 
Um, so that was one one of the the inspirations for the name. But then it also means truly beautiful in Japanese. So that was just you know sometimes when the the stars align, you're like, okay, that's it. And of course, then you have to check and make sure the the trademark is available. And it was like, wait a minute, it's available globally. This is too good to be true. Masami is a premium clean hair care brand that's vegan and cruelty free. And your products also feature the hydrating Japanese ocean botanical that you were talking about, which is the Mikabu, which please correct me if I'm mispronouncing it. But I'd love for you to tell us what it is and what kind of beauty benefits it provides. Yeah, so it's it's part of the seaweed slash kelp family. Um, and it grows um, sort of beneath wakame, which is the sort of tall, long, stringy seaweed that people kind of would recognize. It actually looks kind of creepy because it's spiral. Um, and we basically, the makabu is like almost the, the, the nutrient dense root part of that wakame. And so what we do is we take it and we, we work with a seaweed manufacturer in Northeast Japan who harvests it and powders it down for us. And when you put it in hair care, it, it acts like a sponge. And what we really wanted to do was to solve um, the number one issue in hair care, which is hydration. So the challenge with solving hydration is that a lot of products that are super moisturizing are super heavy. Mm -hmm. um, and they just weigh your hair down. So you might have super hydrated, moisturized hair, but it might not look great, right? Because it just feels flat and oily or dense. So we wanted our hydration to be lightweight, which is a little bit of an oxymoron. But um, this ingredient, when you put it in powder, it allows that to happen because it does, it's like a sponge that brings that hydration into your hair and then adds shine. It makes your hair just feel and look healthier. It's fuller, it's more manageable. So you get all those benefits that come with just having really great hydration. And most people don't even realize that's the underlying issue of why they have frizz or why, why they're unhappy with you know their bad hair days or whatever. So yeah, I mean, I can completely relate to that because my number one issue I have, I have very curly hair. And my number one issue is it can never stay hydrated enough. Like, no matter what I do, it is always dry and frizzy. And you're completely right. A lot of products that are hydrating are super heavy and then they weigh the curls down so that they just don't even look worthwhile. You know, it's it's interesting because some of our best customers are really curly haired people hmm. um, who actually love our styling cream because it's not like um, a lot, like if you use, styling products. I don't know if you do on your hair, but a lot of times they get, they make your hair like chunky or mm -hmm. almost crusty or they leave residue um, or they make your curls feel like hard. Mm -hmm. um, my hair is not curly. It's really straight and thin. Um, but what I like about the products is that my hair actually feels a little fuller and it deals with my flyaways because I still have that issue. So yeah, it's kind of this amazing product that, you know, the ingredient that just um, just works, especially for people that are sort of on the ends of the spectrum, I would say, with hair needs. Like if you have perfect hair, yeah, you're not going to have such a wow from our products because your hair is already, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But if you do have dry hair or you have frizz or you have thin hair, whatever, you're going to see the difference like pretty much right away. 
You just touched on one of my least favorite things of all time, and that's crunchy curls. I cannot, oh. I cannot stand it. I know, and we've had some people that have used our product be like, oh my God, this is like the first you know, styling product I've used that doesn't do that, that actually mm -hmm. makes me feel like my curls are like maintained, but naturally without that crunch. And um, so that makes me really happy. Like, so, you know, we just launched in February. Okay. So yeah, we're, we're a baby, we're brand new. But I do have some of these customers who are like hardcore, like super loving the products. And that makes me just super happy. Because mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, it's not just me. <laughs> yeah. It's bald, by the way. So like, he can love the products, but he can't use them. So <laughs> I love that you guys are already starting to create kind of like your cult of beauty lovers who need this product in their life. I found with with beauty products, it's really funny, but that's like what brings these companies to the forefront is like these these women who are like, you'll never believe what I found. And it's just word of mouth. And before you know it, the company's massive. Yeah, you know, and I think that's how, to your point, like how great brands are built these days. It's almost like bottom up. Mm. Back in the day when I started advertising, it was very much top down because mm -hmm. it was sort of big mass communications. But I actually think the brands that are the stickier brands are the ones that can do the bottom up and can get the community and the loyalty and the users to rally around it. And right now, like my best um, approach to marketing has been sampling. Um, so that's been a big strategy for us is just try to get as many heads to experience our product as possible. And I'm sure the community also loves the sustainability efforts that you guys make. Um, you guys are really on a mission to rebalance the ocean ecosystem, you know, starting with Northeastern Japan, where you guys are getting your um, great product from the materials for your product. Yeah, I mean, that was an important part when we built the brand was to have a mission that tied back. And we just believe when you take something from the earth, you have to replenish it. And we take our main ingredient from that bay in Northeast Japan, which by the way, was devastated by the tsunami in 2011 and still hasn't fully recovered. Yeah. And so, you know, it sounds huge to say we're rebalancing the ocean ecosystem because obviously, you know, if we could do that, <laughs> that would be absolutely amazing but we're doing our tiny little part we're sponsoring some research for um a guy that basically goes in and dives in that bay and documents and educates about what's going on there and he's kind of single-handedly helped um bring it back to life there was after the tsunami there were like real issues with um what i guess i'm gonna call them predators um but um sea urchins parasitic um basically you know they would come in and eat everything um, and so they had to really work to get rid of those and kind of get, you know, get the natural growth back and the seaweeds back because the people there really rely on those for their diet. And they also, they put it in their hair care and skincare. They, you know, it's part of their, it's, it's the equivalent of us eating avocados. You know what I mean? It's, it's like part of their diet every day. I, I love that you said that they eat it and they put it in their hair care. It's just another reminder how far behind we are here in the United States when it comes to our diet and beauty products. Oh, seriously, don't get me started. It's so obvious when you go to Japan and you see what they eat and you see how healthy they look and they have the longest life expectancy in the world. And it definitely makes you wonder, why are we poisoning ourselves here in, in the United States? 
Mm-hmm. You know, when, when we look at the food that we eat and how many preservatives are in it, how much sugar and just just bad stuff. Um, so it's it's actually made me and my partner has already been very good about it. Like he's very healthy and they eat a lot of Japanese food anyway, um, primarily because of his husband. But it's definitely made me and my husband try to be healthier, you know, like just eat things that are local and from the earth and not so many preservatives. Absolutely. I completely agree. And one thing that I think is so funny that has come out of this pandemic is people are growing food at their houses now because they're scared there's going to be a shortage, which I think is amazing. Okay. So I'm doing that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing it and my neighbor's doing it. And she has like given me these like bowls and bowls of kale that is so good. And I'm like loving it. And and we just made um, pesto with basil from the garden. So, so yeah, I mean, I think we're doing it more from a, because you can and you're at home anyway. And, you know, mm-hmm. like why not try to be a little healthier? Cause at least I'm not putting any pesticides on my garden. You know, I know it's, it's healthy. So, but you're right. There are a lot of trends emerging. I would say going back to beauty, clean beauty is one too, because it was already kind of on the rise, but I think COVID has accelerated people's interest. And I think it's just an overarching kind of desire to be healthier mm-hmm. and to maybe not put so many toxic things in and on your body. Mm-hmm. I think it's so funny about the kale. I mean, you're in New York City too, and you guys are able to grow all these things. People who actually have space and land have no excuse now. Right. That's true. Absolutely. So one question I ask everyone who comes on the podcast, because it is something that I am really curious about, is about daily routines. Um, So I always ask for guests to walk us through a normal day in your life, if there even is such a thing as a normal day. Well, that's what I love about my life right now is it, it isn't the same and it's pretty unpredictable because, you know, they're, I, I, I wear 50 hats, which I, which I enjoy. But I will say I do try to start every day with yoga. And I started doing it when the quarantine hit. I stumbled on this um, YouTuber called it's Yoga with Adrian, And I love it. And she does these 30-day yoga journeys, I guess is how you describe them. Um, and it's like a half an hour. So it doesn't feel like a massive time commitment, but I found that I just feel better. And the frequency of like, in the discipline of doing it every single day, um, there's something about that. That's just, just made me just feel healthier and has a bigger impact on maybe my body type or whatever than if I did it twice a week or three times a week, but did it for longer, you know? So that's what I do. I start every day with yoga and then I generally will have a check-in with my team. Um, and I have a series of calls, um, whether it's, you know, a retailer, a salon, a potential partner, um, all sorts of things. Um, and then I, I, I do a fair amount of podcasts as I mentioned, mentioned to you. I probably do one or two a week. Wow. Um, And I've really enjoyed it, actually. Um, I like doing the audio, not so keen on the video. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the ones where they're like, oh, we're going to do it on Zoom. I'm like, "Mm, okay. (laughs) 
it's just, I'm sure you can understand it's more work, right? Yeah, it's I mean, at the end of the long day where I've been on zoom all day, I just it's really the last thing I want to do. I know and be recorded and then have it out there for everyone like it's you'll never once something's on, you know, on on the web, like it's there. Yep. You yeah. know, so yeah, there's that. But um, yeah, absolutely. I can agree. And I around 7pm, I am not looking my best either. So <laughs> well, and also, you know, the glass of wine comes out at about four, uh, maybe five. In your case, I, it was pretty much at like 630. So it wasn't like I've had multiple glasses of wine. But but that's usually a part of the routine. And I just have, you know, a glass or two of red wine. And then, you know, like my husband, and I will binge watch something, you know, and that's pretty much my day. It's pretty boring, actually. I've had so many people on the podcast who have said that they start their day with yoga. And it is making me feel so guilty about rolling over, checking my email and getting a <laughs> cup of coffee. Like that's what I do every single morning. And I think I need to break it. Okay, well, that's nothing wrong with that routine, too. I mean, I just, you know, it's funny, because I was never that disciplined about fitness at all. But I kind of feel like because I'm stuck inside, why not? And that's the beauty of also being an entrepreneur is I can manage my own schedule. So I never schedule anything before 10. Because that's my time. I want to make sure I can do yoga, take a shower if I, you know, like, I don't want to have to be on a call. And, you know, mm -hmm. Um, it, you know, so that turns into a video call and I'm like, you know, in my yoga clothes. So it works, but mm -hmm. don't feel pressure. You got to do what works for you. Yep. Hopefully I can hustle now. So later on in life, I'm able to do that because I just graduated in, in May. So I got to hustle a little oh, wow. bit. college. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Where did you graduate from? From Virginia tech. Oh, awesome. Okay, so then yeah, you, you've got plenty of time to figure that stuff out. But you know what, don't wait forever. That's some advice I'll give you because you know, I, I'm an old entrepreneur. And I've had a great career. I'm not exact. I'm not uh, complaining at all. But I really, in hindsight, wish I would have done some stuff sooner. Yeah, it sounds like it's a perfect fit for you right now. And I mean, who knows life, life works in mysterious ways, you know, one day at a time. Well, and then you're keeping busy doing the podcasts, so you're clearly already doing entrepreneurial things as it is, right? So, mm -hmm. yep. Um, but speaking of, another question I love to ask is, what is a book, a resource, or a podcast that you love and want to share with the audience? So I'll give you two. Um, so I became friends with this woman, Cassandra McClure, who's like a clean beauty guru, and she does a podcast and that's great because if you don't know anything about clean beauty, which a lot of people don't, it's just a great way to dip your toe in and get educated. She interviews a lot of founders of clean products and really gets into why, um, why it's important, what's in there, what to look for, how to detox your beauty routine, stuff like that. So that's one I would recommend. Um, but then I'll also give you a book. There was a book that I read a couple years ago that I loved. Um, and I read mostly fiction, but every now and then I'll find some book that really grabs me. And this was a book by Daniel Kahneman called Thinking Fast and Slow, I think is the title. Um, and the cool thing about the book is it really explains how we make decisions and why we make certain decisions and how our brains like to be in reptilian, reptilian mode, meaning like they don't want to work that hard. 
Hmm. So most of our decisions are knee-jerk fast decisions based on very limited data inputs, you know, mm-hmm. um, and those data inputs are informed by memories, by nostalgia, by associations, by all sorts of things that are not factual, but that's how you make decisions. So that's a really fascinating read because it explains things around politics, hmm. you know, how certain people get elected. Um, it explains a lot of around marketing. If you think about, you know, why people gravitate to certain brands. So, and it's, it's a very easy book to read just despite the fact that the subject matter is pretty, um, intense, um, cause he gives a lot of examples. So I would, I would recommend to anyone who wants to get into the human psyche a bit more. That's a great book. That sounds fascinating. I'm going to have to read that and I'll, I'll be yeah. sure to put um, both those in the show notes. So I think it's funny. I, I always joke that I want to get enough books to start a book club because I just think that'd be so fascinating. That would be fascinating. Yeah, I'm sure you will. Yeah, I definitely have a lot of recommendations now that I keep saying, when I have the time, I'll read them. I'm like, Erica, seriously, you're in a pandemic right now. You have time right now. Yeah, that's true. But I'm, you know, I, it's funny that you say that because I am an avid reader, but I have not read at all since we've been in the pandemic. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? It's weird. And I thought about that the other day because I picked up a book and then I was like, I, I literally haven't read anything for three or four months. And I, I would usually have three or four books that I'm reading at once. I'm a little, again, I'm a little ADD. So it's like, you, you, you know, I'll start one, I'll put it down. I'll start another one. Um, and I'll burn through like two a week usually. So I don't know why. I wonder if that's uh, what other people are experiencing or if that's unusual. But it's a definite change in behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, a change in behavior. I think that is what a lot of people are experiencing right now. Like people who had really good routines don't now. And people who might have had like a little bit more of a fluid lifestyle now have routines. And it's it's so fascinating to see how different personalities and different people react to a pandemic. Very curious. It is interesting. Yeah. So I think we'll see behavior shifting as we come out of this, right? Like there's mm-hmm. certain things that won't go back to the way they were for sure. Oh yeah. I know it's going to be a very interesting world when this all finally passes and and who knows when that's going to be. We might be talking another year. Yeah, I know. That's scary, but I know. I don't even want to voice it, but <laughs> <laughs> I know. Don't jinx it. I know, I know, I shouldn't have said that. Really soon, we're gonna be moving and grooving in the fall, right? Yeah, exactly. So lastly, where can the audience find you if they want to connect with you and learn more about your brand? Sure, so if they wanna connect with me personally, um, I'm on LinkedIn and my social handle on everything is Lynn Powered, P-O-W-E-R-E-D. Um, for Masami, our website is lovemasami.com, M-A-S-A-M-I, and our social handles everywhere are Love Masami Hair. So you can find us any of those places. Awesome. And I highly recommend that people check you guys out. But Lynn, thank you so much for coming on today to talk about your entrepreneurial journey, Masami, and you know, just a little bit about life in general. But we really yeah. appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much, Erica. Really enjoyed it. 